The Lord himself, verse 16, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're looking forward to the rapture, aren't we? Caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Um, There is a day coming, though, where God is going to uh, judge uh, the sins of people here on earth. God is a loving God. God has done everything he can, really. He's made salvation free of charge. He did the work. He died on the cross. And sometimes it can appear that, I don't know how to use the term, maybe use the term the bad guys. You ever sometimes feel like the bad guys are winning? (laughs) See, man, it seems like that evil is rampant, and it seems like that Uh, The bad guys don't play by the same rules as the good guys. They don't. Um, They can get away with lots of stuff. Um, But God sees and knows everything. And uh, the Apostle Paul, writing this church to Thessalonica, wants to clear some things up for these people and answer some questions concerning the day of the Lord. I want to read verse 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to give you a lot of material here tonight. We'll do it in a quick way. And uh, I'll give you a handout here in a little bit. And uh, I trust that the Lord will use this in our lives and will probably make most of our application in the very last few minutes. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. By the way, this subject comes up, I think, again in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I'm going to read verse 4 too, though we'll probably spend more time on that next week. But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Lord, I ask tonight that you would help us as we look at the day of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand truth. And then, Lord, I pray that you would use it to motivate us again uh, to do what we can to impact people for Jesus Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that we're going to be with you forever. We'll ever be with the Lord. What a great day that's going to be. Lord, help us to continue to be faithful here and work till Jesus comes. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just give you some thoughts concerning the day of the Lord. Number one, I want us to see that the day of the Lord is a major theme in the Old Testament. And I want you to turn to Joel chapter number one, the book of Joel. We read of the day of the Lord, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Zechariah, all reference the day of the Lord. While you're turning to Joel, I'm going to read uh, from Amos chapter number 5 and verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord, to what end it is for you. The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Verse 20 of Amos 5, Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Uh, In Isaiah, and again, you're going to Joel. I'm going to meet you there in Joel in just one minute. In Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 6, How ye, 
For the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. And there's a real good synopsis of of the day of the Lord as we look at it. Joel chapter number 1 and verse, we're just going to, this one I have the most references to, so I thought we'd all be here together. Joel 1 and verse 15, I'm just going to give you some of uh, the references that we find in the Old Testament. Again, it is a major theme of the Old Testament. Joel 1 and verse number 15, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. God is always trying to call people to repentance. Verse number 11, the latter part of the verse, For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, who can abide it? Verse number 31 in the same chapter, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, whoops, that's verse number 32, sorry, verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And then chapter number 3 and verse number 14. Multitudes, Joel 3, 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision is a major theme in the old testament and many of the prophets spoke concerning the day of the lord and used it to try to help folks to recognize that it is coming when god will judge and pour out his wrath i want you to see secondly when it comes to the day of the lord is the day of the lord does not include believers I don't believe the day of the Lord includes believers. And I want to show you a slide here if my slide works. Ah, there it is. This is a, sometimes you know how it is. You set it all up and it doesn't work when you want it to. Not yet. Hold on, hold on. You. I'm going to lose everybody as soon as I give them that sheet. You say, what do you mean? Well, I, I, I think very practically. When someone gives me a handout, I immediately look, oh, wow. Oh, look at this. Wow. That's what everybody's going to be doing. So we're going to look at that handout together. So when they're going, oh, well, I'll be doing, oh, well, we'll be, oh, well, and together. All right? There you go. (laughs) The day of the Lord does not include believers, okay? And I think it's important for us to know this. We we looked at this actually twice. We looked at this in Sunday school, and we looked at this uh, maybe a week or two, a couple of weeks ago, um, in our Sunday night service. And um, let me give you a couple reasons why, and we'll look at our slide here. I've already said this. The church is absent. When you get the book of Revelation, we're going to look at the Revelation a little bit tonight. It's absent from chapter 4 to 18. There's a letter of the church, chapter 2, 3, and it's absent. Are you in 1 Thessalonians? Look at chapter 5 and verse 4, and I want you to look at the difference between some of what we read in verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 you read, for when... They shall say, right, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. Verse 4, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Okay, so there is a very good indication, right? The rapture's coming. The the rapture, by the way, is mentioned in 4. 5 is the day of the Lord. It comes after that. And so you see the change in the them and they and the ye, In verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians 5, 
The Bible says this, good verse to highlight, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And so, by the way, I think the day of Jesus Christ is probably different than the day of the Lord. On the day of Jesus Christ, Paul says, being confident of the very thing he said, the gun would work or perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You have the aspect of uh, the judgment seat of Christ or believers standing before the Lord. All right. So here's our here's our little chart here. And so the next event, and we're not going to look at, I'm really going to focus on, you'll see this, we'll narrow our focus really on the day of the Lord is what we're going to focus on uh, tonight. Am I losing my, here we are, we're here. Um, but this here, we got the whole prophetic scene here. You've got the rapture of the church then. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And, um, and so then you see, obviously, the judgment seat of Christ, uh, probably the day of Christ up here. Um, uh, different believers are gone, and then we see the uh, rapture, I mean, the uh, tribulation period begins here. Now, I want us to see that this is number three. The day of the Lord is a time period, not a day. When you're familiar with a Bible prophecy, your typical Bible prophecy, obviously a day can mean a week or, or whatever, and that's what we're going to see here. I want you to turn to Daniel 9 and verse 27, because Daniel 9, 27 gives us really when the day of the Lord is going to begin. And it begins when the Antichrist signs the peace treaty there with Israel. And uh, let me see if I can find the book of Daniel, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Uh, Daniel, where'd you go, Daniel? Here you are. I found him. Daniel 9. That's what my mom used to say. Where'd you go, Daniel? Get in here. Daniel 9, verse 27. (laughs) And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So the day of the Lord, Daniel 9, 27, talks concerning the peace treaty that the Antichrist is going to make with Israel. Now, you'll see here in our little slide, and actually, let me do this. Let me give you another slide. Because what we're going to do is we're going to hone in on this period here. And uh, so here's another slide. Is that a, uh, okay, well, I don't like that one as much either. But So let's go to a different. No, that one shows us right here. Rapture of the church. Um, this is the period. So let me see here if I got another slide. Ah, voila, this is the slide. All right. So the day of the Lord. Some commentators believe that the day of the Lord... It starts, now you've got a gap here between the rapture and the start of the tribulation, okay? We don't know how long it will be from the time we're raptured until the peace treaty will be signed. Daniel 9 tells us this peace treaty is going to be signed. That's when the day of the Lord will begin. And some commentators believe that it will go all the way into even the millennial kingdom. Um, There are some passages to give reference. For our purposes here tonight... We're going to look really at this aspect of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. When you look at the time of the great tribulation or Jacob's trouble, you have the aspect of the second half is going to be worse than the first half. 
And God has told us that the day of the Lord is coming and that the day of the Lord includes the judgment of God. Now think with us just a minute. Do we have any scriptures that give us indication that when God says he's going to judge, he's going to judge? Do we have any situations in the word of God? You're back, 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 back to who? To the guy that made the big ark. And God said, hey, work's going to rain, and I'm going to pour out my judgment. What was Noah's job? He was a preacher of righteousness. Get into this ark, it's going to rain. Noah's job is similar to our job, right? The, the day of the Lord is coming. And we'll look as we conclude at 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll look at what the, the admonition is there. But it is a time when God pours his judgment out on the world and will punish the nations. He will also prepare Israel for his return to establish his kingdom. I'm going to just read a couple other verses. You can follow with me if you like. If you, if you, if you feel a little lazy tonight, then you'll just trust me, okay? Isaiah 34 and verse number 8, we see some other descriptions concerning the day of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 8, for it is, Isaiah 34 and verse 8, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense. You see, sin has to be judged, all right? God deals with, the Bible says, uh, uh, the scripture says in the book of Genesis, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And uh, there's some other references in the book of Isaiah. Let me read one more. There's lots in the word of God on the day of the Lord. Isaiah 62 and verse number uh, 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And then in, in chapter 63, we see again a reference, For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. The day of the Lord is a day where God pours out his wrath. It comes, by the way, as a thief in the night. It comes suddenly. Why? Because do remember, all is going to be in people's mind here on earth. These weirdos are going to be taken by aliens. I don't know what they'll say. Um, we're part of the weirdos. And they're going to be out of here. We're going to have a, hey, a peace treaty. Every, the world is finally at peace. We're all finally united. This is great. Until God begins to pour out his judgment. Now, let me see what this slide is. Perfect. This one's wonderful. Now, I'm about to give you a slide. I tried to find, I'm about to give you a handout here in just a minute. I tried to find a handout that would take the judgments that we're going to see here and put them with the scriptures in Revelation, all right? So the handout that I'm going to give you does that. Now, I do not vouch for everything on that website, all right? So don't be going on the website and say, oh, this must be a good website. I don't, I don't vouch for that. By the way, let me caution you. Make sure you're a student of the book. Make sure you know what the Bible says. You say, why? We had years ago, we had individuals come to the church, and they were not versed on the Bible version issue, and so they found a, a, a guy online that was versed and probably correct on the Bible version issue. And so they said, hey, we're going to watch this guy on the Bible version issue. And, and, um, and then they thought, what does this other guy teach? 
and the guy taught error when it came to the local church. And only the New Testament, the writings of Paul, are only applicable. And we don't really need to attend a church. And we, I think he was a hyper-dispensationalist, for those of you who might know what that is, hyper-hyper, and ended up leaving the church. So what I'm trying to say is, let's, let's know what the Bible says, okay? But anyway, I'm going to give you this handout, only because it categorizes these judgments uh, based on where we find them in the book of Revelation. Now, I show you this slide because this slide, to me, gives good indication when these things are going to happen. You're familiar with the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments, okay? What is that? Real-time protection. I'll just forget about that. That's not part of prophecy. That's not part of prophecy. But, Brother Talbot, now that we're here, I have to get you to help me because I can't see this. Watch, I'm going to try to do this. Boom. No, I can't see that here. So sometime you got to help me because it's black here. I, I don't see nothing. So I have to turn around and look at it there. All right. Now, we got rid of that prophetic blurb there. So what I like about this slide is this slide takes these judgments and gives you about when they're going to happen in this three and a half, uh, seven year period. Okay. The first half is going to be less. The second half is going to be more. And God gives us clear indication what is going to happen. Now, you can give your handout. Here's the handout you're going to get. This handout here takes the seven seal judgments and the seven trumpet judgments and the seven bowl judgments, and it lays it out to me in a very easy way to, to look at. And it also um, gives you the scriptures in the book of Revelations, in the Revelation, where they, where they are. And so I thought, you know what, this might be a good way to kind of go over this just a little bit. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to assume that we all can read here. And so I'm not going to just read this handout to you. But what I want to do is just highlight a few things because... The judgment of the Lord is coming. And it's really, quite frankly, it's sobering when we really think concerning how many people are blinded to, to, to what's happening. Um, how many people are just going about their merry way, uh, unaware of the fact that uh, someday God's wrath is going to be poured out. Um, so look at this handout here. Um, I think this is, a, like I said, a very a simple way. Um, Revelation 6, the Bible says, saw a white horse and uh, a bow, given a crown, the next seal. Um, you begin to see uh, the sword, a great sword, and war happens, and then famine comes on the earth. And then you, you see the fourth seal, a fourth of the earth is killed. The fifth seal focuses on the martyrs. The sixth seal, a great earthquake. And the Bible just clearly lays out what's going to happen. Obviously, the seventh seal goes into then opening up the trumpet judgments. And if you look at the slide that we just had, you can kind of see a reference of where about maybe these things will happen. And you see the second three and a half years Whereas you see the trumpet judgments and you got a third of the earth 
a third of the trees affected, a third of the sea in the second trumpet, a third of the sea creatures. Uh, sometimes you look at this and you think, Who, who's going to be left? <laughs> a third, you look at the third trumpet, a third became bitter, many died. Uh, a third of the sun and moon and stars are darkened, and you see, you see God's wrath poured out. The bold judgments, seven bold judgments poured out. Um, uh, the sea becomes blood in the second bowl. And um, uh, you, can, you can read this. The sun scorches men with fire and fierce heat. And, and uh, 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 God's blasphemed. You see the fifth bowl, the seventh bowl, lightning and thunder, great earthquake, Babylon's destroyed, blaspheme. Uh, God is clear in what he is going to do. And as we think about what Paul is telling this church, he's telling them, hey, the day of the Lord is coming. I think he's communicating to them that, you know, I'm very practical. <laughs> and I guess even looking at this from a practical standpoint, and I know there are some that would argue with me, but I think to me the Bible is clear. Um, why would God pour all of his wrath out on us, his children? He, he, he's not going to do that. Um, I want you to turn... We could take more time here, but I want to turn uh, to Second Peter chapter number three, and we'll we'll look at uh, in First Thessalonians four, five, and six are really again responses of God's people in light of the day of the Lord. Um, we can be thankful that we're not part of this, and you could take this and chew on it and think a little bit about all these different things. Second Peter chapter number three. I want to look at verse number 10 through verse number 14. Peter says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Again, everything's going to be, everybody's going to think everything's hunky-dory, it's all beautiful, everything's good, and all of a sudden, God's wrath is going to be poured out. In the which the heavens shall pass away the great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Obviously, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to live in the new Jerusalem. And uh, that's another message. Verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now look at verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Number five, the day of the Lord should motivate us to live for what matters. You see in verse number 11... Seeing these things would be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? We have that aspect of in holy conversation, our lifestyle. That's not talking about our speech, our lifestyle. It's talking about a life that is dedicated to God, that is dedicated to live for eternity in all holy conversation and godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is <laughs> being like God. And really the reality is letting God 
to conform us into his image. Do you know when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God, he moves in, he rolls up his sleeves and says, all right, we're going to take this individual and we're going to make him like Jesus Christ. But you know there's a cooperation aspect that has to happen? The conviction's going to be there, but we've got to cooperate and allow God to speak to us and be willing to make changes in our life. We need to be willing to say, Lord, this music doesn't please you. Lord, these movies don't please you. Lord, these friends don't please you. Lord, what I'm doing and my activities don't please you. I want to be godly. I want to live my life in holy. I want my life to be holy conversation or a holy lifestyle. As he which hath called us is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, the Bible tells us. What does that mean? I said, individuals say, well, you know, we have freedom. We have liberty. We are free to do whatever we want to do. Yeah, we do, but we have to take the whole of Scripture. And you've got to say, if you're going to exercise your Christian liberty, you better figure out what 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says and how that's going to affect your life as well. I'm so burdened. We have... We have a job to do. I know you're hearing the same theme over and over. Look, the day of the Lord ought to break our hearts. We're going to be out of here. But there are individuals that we interact with on a regular basis that are clueless. They're on their way to hell. We have an opportunity to get them the message. Look, if they get them the message and they reject it and reject it and reject it, they've made their choice. Our job is to get the message to them. Look, look at the admonition in verse 12. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. If Jesus came today, are we ready? Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. Let me ask it this way. If you knew that Jesus was coming August the 1st, what would change in your life between now and August the 1st? If you made a big list, you're not ready. You're not looking. We need to live in light of the fact that he is coming again. You know, imagine you're watching a bad movie and Jesus comes. That'd be pretty embarrassing. Hey, God wants us to be looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord. We think about that. Look at verse number 14. We're going to let him change us. We're going to look for his coming. Look at the aspect of of living. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. The word means to be eager to be devoted do one's best the songwriter said this give of your best to the master another song comes to mind i wonder have i done my best for jesus that's a whole aspect to be diligent to be found of him in peace without spot and blameless in peace really means freedom from worry. Without spot has the idea of freedom from impurity. Blameless has the idea of freedom from blame. And often the scripture refers to your reputation interacting with, with one another. 
our diligence in living with eternity's values in view. It's easy for us to get frustrated with people that are doing wrong. You know, I'm not God. I'm glad I'm not God because I probably, I probably would have done sent too many lightning bolts to zap people. <laughs> our God is just and our God is holy. Our God is loving. You have the holiness of God. You have the love of God. By the way, don't emphasize one over the other. The, church, the, the evangelical church at large is going to emphasize the love, the love. God is loving, but God is also just. And God's justice isn't going to... By the way, his foremost attribute is his holiness, which is why he was sent to a cross and died. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he didn't say love, love, love. He said holy, holy, holy. The real world is the spiritual world. It's heaven. It's eternity. And Peter says, in light of the day of the Lord, we need to, can I summarize it this way, be what God wants us to be in this world. We ought not feel comfortable in this world. We ought not feel comfortable with people that don't know the Lord. Because this world's not our home. We're passing through. This morning, we looked at judges, and really the issue was God's people. And that's the tendency is for God's people to get complacent and God's people to get comfortable going through our routines and not living in light of the day of the Lord, which is coming. How many of you know people that are unsaved? All of us. How many of you, this is not a trick question, how many of you care about those people that are unsaved? You care about them? Do you know how we really know if we care? By our actions. And if we really do care, we will do everything we can to warn them the day of the Lord is coming. And by the way, we'll do everything we can to live godly in Christ Jesus. I'm so convinced that people need to see the real deal. There's a lot of fakes, a lot of hypocrites. Probably all of you could think of hypocrites. I tell you, nothing turns a Christian off more than someone that's hypocritical. But there's a lot of people that are real deals. And this world needs to see Christians that love God, that are willing to be different, to look different, to act different, to take a stand and say, I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed of it and I'm on the Lord's side and I'm here to do a job and I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. That's what the world needs. May God help us. This thing could be right around the corner. And it's easy for us to say, yeah, I'm out of here and I'm going to rest in Zion. But can we rest in Zion knowing I've done my best for Jesus? The Apostle Paul said this, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. That needs to be our testimony as well. Lord, we love you.